0: As society seems to crumble around us, we make our way back to the foothills of the mountains. Rifles in hand, we set up our camp, and the light of our campfire filters up through the bases of the pine trees, and above the canopy of needles, we can see the cold stars in the dark night sky. We sit around the campfire, we laugh, we talk, we remember the issues of the past, and we look out beyond the pines into the dark veil of gray mist, And we see the movement the shadows slumping around the ground peering out through around the trees the wild calls for us tonight we talk around this campfire thank you for joining me in the camp of the beyond this is the marauder rises What I really hate When I wake up To a tapping on my window And I open my eyes And pull back the curtain And I see my dad Standing there in the darkness Just outside my window And he says Come on son Let your old paw in And I point my gun at him And I say You're not my paw I can hear my dad Snoring in the other room And he gets this hateful grimace on his face, and he turns around, and he walks off towards the forest, and as he he moves, he starts to vibrate, and his skin slumps off and flakes as he walks towards the forest, and then all that's left is a shadow as he moves deeper into the pine trees. It's a really good tweet. Sorry if uh, I sound a little hoarse. Uh, I have uh, that southern uh allergy it's allergy season so i'm sitting here with my <clears throat> with my uh hot tea and honey old school gang um and uh what is that that meme uh average medicine enjoyer and then the um the uh <laughs> hot tea and honey enjoy or hot tea and honey appreciator and it's the chad guy anyways so i thought we'd talk about something a little different tonight um back when i i ran my page uh, armed naturalism which was literally all it was is guys would send in pictures of them picking up trash in their kit or uh, send in pictures of them in their kit hiking out in the wild so you'd see guys in full combat loadout with you know their ARs, AKs, sniper rifles and a plate or a uh, plate carrier or a um you know a combat chest rig or something like that and they get a repost with my logo on it, the Arm Naturalism logo. And it was literally because I, <clears throat> because I realized that the gun community was not involved enough in ecological and environmental sustainment. It wasn't involved enough in conservatism, um, or I'm sorry, conservationism. And so, you know, the gun community used to be huge in hunting. And the hunting community and, you know, by hunting I mean why I mentioned hunting is because the hunting community is huge in conservation. It's huge in ecological sustainment. Um, and so the gun community and the hunting community, and therefore the ecological community used to be side by side. You used to see guys who were explorers toting around massive firearms all the time. And nowadays that's just not really the case. And my idea was that I wanted to get um, the gun community closer back to that environmental uh, movement, and um, I got my page got banned from Instagram because of course progressive whoever you know the progressive powers that be the the guys who own all the protected industrial uh, corporate industrial complexes the social media uh, gulags the social media um, cabals and <clears throat> Ultimately, the tyrannical government that protects them just deems that sort of thing not worth keeping you know a threat to their existence, and so they got rid of it anyways long story short i'm still I, i'm a I'm a huge outdoorsman uh i that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about uh the content that I produce online on social media so I thought that we'd get into a little topic that can get us involved in more of an outdoorsman environmental debate but on the creepy side. So tonight you're gonna want to get huddled up close to a fire to a big dog or something and grab your AR, grab your AK, cuddle up next to it and uh, get in your bed and Make sure uh, nothing's down there underneath it. Nothing's looking in through your window. Because tonight we're going to discuss Skinwalkers. And it's a legend that goes back centuries, many, many centuries. Here it's native to America. It was here with the indigenous people. And it's existed further on, still lives in popular culture. It's not one of the prominent cryptids, but... It is one of my favorite nonetheless um so get cuddled up grab your ar listen to old papa marauder and uh we will get into skinwalkers so what is a skinwalker you might as well go go into common um you know common understandings of what a skinwalker is the history and then we'll get into how to fight it and then i'll tell you a few stories afterwards let me get a little sip of tea here it's really good okay so i'm just making sure time looks good on made sure my app was still recording okay so what is a skinwalker they are commonly um, confused with wendigos and so the difference being that a wendigo is generally thought to be a forest spirit so it might be a forest spirit that possesses a person or it might be a forest spirit that exists as its own standalone physical form so the the common thing with wendigos is you'll see the moose or elk skull with massive antlers on top of a big, massive furry body or a mossy body, uh, stretched over bear muscle, so not much skin and bone, and it hunts, hunts people, but that's kind of like the horror interpretation of it, um, I'll get more into Wendigo's in a different, uh, in a different podcast, but tonight we'll talk about skinwalkers, which, like I said earlier, they're commonly confused, they're commonly, um, misaligned with wendigos so they are not wendigos the history of skinwalkers is rather complicated because the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people uh, primarily the sources of the mythology of skinwalkers the native american tribes particularly in the southwest united states they don't like to talk about them not in any serious sense um for a lot of them that uh you know, a lot of modern Native Americans who are just regular people, they think of it more or less as just a boogeyman, right? So uh, it'd be like you asking me to describe you Dracula, but acting as if the Hollywood interpretation of the vampire Dracula was real. So that's kind of like that, what what they uh, many of them would consider, unless you talk to a traditionalist. Uh, a native american from particularly the southwest portion of the united states who take their culture the legends and traditions of their culture very seriously they very well might still believe in it but the issues is that many people consider it bad luck or a bad omen to talk about it so it becomes problematic because you can't really get a good idea of what's going on in many cases from people who do consider them real because, well, it's bad to talk about them. going to get another drink real quick. And by the way, if I sound, if I uh, do a sniffly, if I sneeze or cough, I'm sorry about that. Okay. So, what is a skinwalker? We've talked about what it's, kind of like the cultural significance of it. What is it? So the skinwalker itself originally was a human and, you know, supposedly it's not just one. There's, there can be many of them potentially. Um, skinwalker was originally a human, particularly a shaman or a medicine man that involves themselves in dark magic, dark rituals to the point where they have committed themselves to it. It becomes their religion, their idol. And it, fills up their being and generally this is this uh they practice it by literally practicing dark magic and then they solidify it they seal it supposedly by committing a form of uh a crime against nature a taboo Um, and so you'll see many of these uh instances of monsters in native american folklore as um as a form of I guess taboo a crime against nature that's how they explained it so for example the wendigo super popular interpretation of crime against nature it's crime against nature that would cause cause you to become a wendigo or necessarily the, the the cause the spirit to possess you or the spirit would possess you to drive you to do this was cannibalism it's a horrible crime against nature horrible taboo and so that was the taboo that was Commonly associated with the Wendigo. With skinwalkers, it's not necessarily anything from what I have been able to find. So a skinwalker can become a skinwalker primarily by incest, murder, rape, uh, various forms of intense criminal activity, bestiality. It can be a sexual taboo a sexual crime against nature. It could be a a murderous crime against nature, a violent crime against nature. It's hard to tell, um, because the, the, uh, the history behind it is so shrouded in mystery. But the common theme behind them is that once this, uh, once this shaman or medicine man who has gone old dark magic, uh, And once they have solidified themselves they take on all the powers of this dark magic and one of them the primary that they're known for is uh, the ability to shape shift or take on the image of uh, different creatures but the issue is is that it's not a full uh shifting of shape it's a distortion of shape primarily and they there's there's several different interpretations or considerations on how they do this, some say that, uh, and this is a very, that the name comes from this, this is a very uh, common interpretation of it, that they'd have to first take the skin of what it is that they want to um, shift into. So, uh, that could be a wolf, it could be a bear, it could be a a deer, Um, but in some of the more frightening cases, it is a loved one. Which implies that this evil witch, medicine man, shaman, has gotten their hands on your loved one, killed them, skinned them, and wears their skin and has shifted into their person. Now, obviously with that, <laughs> with that, that, now that the story that I had talked about earlier, the, the little story that I began it off with, that was literally a tweet that I saw. Um, someone had reposted it on Instagram and... I can't, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Coniferous Origins. Uh, shout out to that guy; he's a great dude. He runs the um, the Longhouse podcast here on Spotify as well. Great podcast if you like to listen to gear talks and and uh, different skill you know skill skill tra- sorry skill craft, field craft, bushcraft, that sort of thing. So <clears throat> go give them a sh- go give them a a a, a look. Uh, I think, I'm sorry, uh, his co-host's name is uh, Caboose V2, I believe, on Instagram. And um, Mac or Buddy, uh, I can't remember his username because it, it changed. He's gotten banned quite a few times on Instagram, but he's also another good guy. He's a regular on that show. Um, anyways, they ha- they talk about cryptids on their show a bit too. And so they've been doing this for a little while. But, uh, Coniferous Origins, he, he had reposted that, that, uh, that tweet. And I saw that and so I just, I could not help myself but retelling it. But back to the Skinwalkers. Uh, so there's that first interpretation of how they can shift into shape, right? Or shift into a, an image that they, they want to appear like. So, like I said, it's a distortion. So some people say, no, it's not necessarily that, they have to have the skin, they can distort themselves to appear like some other creature. So, (coughs) let's say um, they wanted to turn themselves into a wolf. The other interpretations, without having procured the skin, some people say, well, they might possess a wolf or they might possess a person. They might use the body of these creatures, not necessarily killing them or taking their skin, but by possessing them. And then um, some people say that their ability is not to possess or to take the skin off. They can just make themselves look like different things. So, excuse me. So potentially they could make themselves look like your father tapping outside your window while your your real father is in the next room to you in his bedroom snoring so that's a little explanation of how all the different potentials that they could do it or maybe they could do all three who knows um but their image is terrifying apparently the idea being is that whenever they eventually now here's another complex issue about them And there's a whole bunch of different interpretations depending on which region you talk to or which uh, mythology of Native, Native American folklore you delve into. Some people say that they do indeed die a natural death, but after they die a natural death, their essence, their spirit becomes an embodiment of evil and still inhabits the forest. So not necessarily like a ghost, but there is something physical, tangible there that resides in the forest, a dark creature that stays there in the forest and lives there even after it's died because it has, by uh, devolving into dark magic, it has tied itself to the physical earth. So if you think about it, now I'm kind of adding my own little interpretation into it. I think that it's kind of like a metaphysical concept that maybe they still inhabit a physical body or a physical persona in a physical location because the more uh, darker and corrupted form of magic they take on, the less of a spiritual essence they're their spiritual essence becomes so their spirit becomes more and more like a physical icon or a physical persona that's just kind of my my view of it me trying to give a little bit of an explanation as to uh you know give us a way of thinking about these these legends how how these legends work um another interpretation is that they don't die but they become further corrupted as they live. They potentially live on forever, but they continue to be corrupted. They become more and more evil, but not just uh, not just their, you know, not just their inside, not just their intentions, their appearance becomes more corrupted. They become more decayed in their body. Uh, you might see them walking around and you think, you know, depending on what you're looking at, it's going to vary, but you look at them and you say, why is that thing walking that way? It that, that is an unnatural way of walking. It looks like its legs are bending backwards as it walks forwards. Why is it doing that? And then you realize its legs are backwards. Get it? It's walking towards you and its knees bend behind it as it creeps forward think about that Jeez, that is freaking nightmare fuel right there I'm just imagining this massive long armed shadow with long legs and it's moving towards you and its legs are bending backwards as it walks towards you like its upper body is turned directly in a 180 and its ass is pointed towards you but so is the front of its torso and its face is looking towards you and it's creeping towards you like that. Terrifying. Holy crap. So yeah, I hope you're uh, cuddling with your AK or your AR right now because gosh, (laughs) I, this one time I I told these stories, I'm going to tell you the same stories that I told some of my friends out on my camp out and um, it was a, a bunch of friends and their wives and me and my lady were there with them and so I, I i tell the skinwalker and wendigo stories there at the campsite and as i'm in the middle of one of these it's like a terrifying portion of of one of these stories virgil my my chow chow, my big dog he he stands up and looks off into the forest and starts growling And I turn and look, and everybody's looking at me, and they're looking out into the forest. And then I just casually turn back. It's a little bragging moment on myself. I thought it was hilarious, because I didn't really think I was doing it at the time. I was just kind of turning and looking to see what he was seeing out in the forest, and then resuming with my story. But everybody saw me looking out into the forest, thinking they all thought I saw something out there, and then turning back to continue with the story. Hilarious when they told me afterwards. But... Whenever you're out there at the campfire late at night, or even in your room, in your windows next to your bed, in the darkness. The darkness is there. Is that a tap on your window? Is it a scratching noise? That's just a tree branch, right? Or do you have a tree out in your backyard? That clicking on your floor? It's just your dog. Is it your dog? (laughs) So the next portion of what we're gonna be talking about is what the title of the episode is, Combating Skinwalkers. So this is how you protect yourself, I actively fight against them. If you hear voices in the background, that is just the local stragoy underneath my bed, chattering up away. It's actually my, my, uh, my lady. She's listening to her audiobook in the next room, so I'm sorry about that. So, I saw numerous things. They're very powerful. It's a big issue about skinwalkers is that whenever you run into them, Uh, there's sometimes very little that you can do in the moment unless you've prepared beforehand. So, skinwalkers, whenever you see them, you can often identify them by... From what I've seen, during nighttime, their eyes glow like red-hot coals, (coughs) which, if they're in a disguise, you know, accurately depicting an animal or a person, it's going to kind of give them away. So... Uh, whenever you see them, if you see them in a disguise, they will try to kill you. They might try to gain an advantage over you or, uh, uh, you know, use you in some way or even possess your body. But if you see them, they're going to try to kill you. And the reason being is the primary way of killing a skinwalker or at least in, uh, keeping it from harming you is knowing its name knowing who it was in its previous existence <coughs> so uh, and so they will actively try to kill you once they've seen once you've seen them so that you don't figure out who they are so the best way of being able to stop a skinwalker is just simply figuring out who it is and if you say their name according to Navajo legend that's Virgil beating on the floor with his Uh, With his foot as he was scratching himself. Um, According to Navajo legend, if you say their name out whenever you see them, they will die. They will shrivel up, turn into dust or something like that and die. Um, No, no, I'm sorry. They will turn back into the person who they used to be with the skin on. Something like that. (coughs) Another important thing to note is that they cannot come into your house or onto your land without your permission. So... If you see someone that you might know and they're asking oddly for your permission to come into your house or to come onto your land, something like that. Something like your father standing outside of the house and saying, come on, son, can I come in? Something like that. That's a that would be a dead giveaway that they're actually a skinwalker. Um, so and then furthermore. <clears throat> What I saw was that weapons dipped in white ash, according to Navajo legend, was a way to kill it. Uh, Or, I guess, using just white ash on it directly would kill it. So, this is kind of like a contra. It's like um, an opposite. So, the skinwalker, whenever it was in a human form, the way it would kill people, according to Navajo legend, is it had a, a powder of its own that was called uh, it was translated as something like corpse powder and it would blow it at you and whenever you inhaled it it would cause your tongue to turn black and shrivel up and you'd go into convulsions and eventually die so um, and then obviously more gruesome deaths when it's in it's more demonic uh, persona whenever it's taking more demonic shapes so the way that you would use a powder against it is with white ash. Now, I couldn't figure this part out. <coughs> you see, white ash is also a species of tree. So whether it's talking about a description of white ash, like as in it's literally just regular ash, but it's taken on a white color, or if it's, white, if it's ash from a white ash tree... Or if it's like a form of sap or something like that from a white ash tree, I do not know. Um, maybe someone who is more adept into Navajo folklore or perhaps Navajo medicine types would know better than uh, than I do about that. <coughs> Sorry, my my allergies are just really getting getting worse as the night goes on. So, white ash dip some bullets in it. I have a, uh, an assumption. I've, I've seen some stories that, that guns will at least at first keep them held off. I don't think guns themselves will, will kill them, but it, guns obviously produce force so that, uh, they're going to do something to a physical body whenever they're hit. I don't think necessarily they would kill a skinwalker unless dipped in white ash. But, uh, that's just something, just something that I would speculate. Um, if they're not entirely a spiritual being, if they do have some conjuring into the physical realm, then another physical trauma is going to do something to it, I would presume. Now, uh, continuing on, you know, because effectively... Especially when they're alive, right? So if you use a gun against them while they're a living human being and just a witch, then obviously a gun's going to do stuff to them. Now, whenever they've turned into a demonic entity taking on physical form, the extent to which it's able to... um, Guns are able to harm it, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that they do take on disguises, right? And what's the purpose of a disguise? To fool... I don't think. Now it might take. It might uh, depend on the consideration, the the interpretation that you're thinking about. So like, maybe it's not that they're actively using that as a disguise anymore. Maybe that's just their form. It's become their form. But if they are using it as a disguise, that's implying that they're fooling you so that you don't harm them in a way, or that they so that they can gain advantage of some sort. Uh, <clears throat> so. There's some considerations going in here. I think well, uh, I think you'd be better off with a gun than without a gun, uh, to put it shortly. Now, I did also see in some of my research that silver uh, would do the same. So silver, according to European legend, kills Strigoi. So Strigoi is the origins of what you and I would consider a vampire. So the vampire legends go back a long time. They're called Strigoi, Um, Nosferatu or whatever that I think that's even a closer like a like a more modern name than even Strigoi. Strigoi is from the Romania era area. um, uh, I think it's a Romanian word. And it was used to describe this creature where it is a uh, demonic entity that kind of repossesses its own body, I believe, uh, is what the original thought of what a vampire was. So, a person gets corrupted; um, <clears throat> their spirit becomes corrupted. They die, and then they they reassume their physical status in their own body as a monstrous entity. And so, it's like a form of physical corruption <clears throat> brought about by den- uh, demonic spiritual corruption. The reason that silver originally would kill vampires is because silver in the days of alchemy was considered a pure element. So, um, and a purity would kill a corruption. So the presumption is is that it's also going to be doing the same thing to an entity of dark magic. Um, So with a Navajo... Uh, a Navajo Navajo boogeyman that's become the way it is through uh, the presumption of, of of dark magic is presumably going to be affected by silver. At least that's what I rationalize from the old from the legend. This is just part of the research that I did that I I had seen, um, and even I, I had heard some people talk about it that. Oh, you're 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 out in the wilderness with, uh, and there's skinwalkers out there. Better have silver. Well, why why is that? That I don't I don't understand. I knew that was with vampires and werewolves. Why is that necessarily the case with skinwalkers? So this is my rationalization of that. Um, <coughs> so con- <coughs> continuing on, I would presume that a combative means against an entity of dark magic is going to be <coughs> a form of lighter spiritual spirituality, a purer spirituality. So, um, uh, I would say, you know, this is the Christian me that being strong in the Lord is going to keep you safe, uh, or at least more capable of com- combating these things. Uh, So, if you're an atheist, you're screwed, basically, is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just kidding. So, are these things real? Well, that's going to be up to you to decide. That's like asking, is Bigfoot real or are aliens real? These stories have been around for a a very long time, and likelihood is, is that these stories were in attempts to explain something that was real. You know, Strigoi, vampires of the Romanian area, they were, or Eastern Europe in its entirety, they were an attempt to explain something. What were they an the attempt to explain? I have no clue. No idea. Um, the idea of werewolves, they're were likely an embellished means of what was originally an attempt to explain something. A boogeyman was an explanation that was used often to scare kids, but had its origins probably in the attempt to explain something, trying to explain what there is to fear. Virgil just brought one of his toys in. I'm sorry if you hear some rattling. And so, uh, believe what you want. There's, there's something there that was needing to be explained in many of their eyes. Now there for sure is dark spiritual entities out there. Um, this is going to get into a little bit more of a metaphysical topic, but uh, I with this this new age of atheism and agnosticism, there is this uh, adoption of a materialistic worldview that so that means the look of the look at the world and all you perceive to be real is that of material, something you can touch taste, smell, hear, see, uh, something that you can measure. And that is putting a blanket, a blindfold over the human experience by confining what may or may not be real to what humans can perceive. I think it's very foolish. Um, I think it's very foolish to deal with such an, uh, a faulty, you know, the the atheistic and agnostic worldview already presumes human error. Yet it then reaffirms its belief in human cognition. It doesn't really make sense in the slightest. And it presumes, uh, you know, that (laughs) something that, exists outside of the natural realm, aka supernatural, cannot be exist because well, seen is believing, right? That's that's ultimately the view of atheism or agnosticism. Seen as believing what you experience in the material world is conclusively the only thing that exists. I think whenever it's boiled down to its basic elements atheism just kind of falls apart because everybody intuitively know that's not the way this world works okay that's it's not and i by this world i don't even necessarily you know obviously i'm not even talking about just the physical world so are there dark elements out there yes is there spiritual elements out there yeah for sure I think the fact that humans have the ability to even comprehend this idea of a spiritual element, despite being a creature of material, is kind of indicative that we realize on a on a basic level that something else is there. The fact that we can understand that there's things like dark entities out there in the woods is imp, is an uh, implication of itself. Why would a a creature of pure material of pure, of pure flesh, just a sack of flesh, have any thought of that. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And so there's probably a little bit more going on, probably a little bit more in the human mind going on, probably a little bit more in the human spirit going on. So I would say a lighter spirituality, uh, pursuit of, of the divine pursuit of righteousness, uh, knowing God, seeking after him is going to put you at a greater odds with these dark entities so that's my little spiritual spiel on that part a little bit of a metaphysical philosophical aspect of it so now i'm gonna finish this up with two quick scary stories So I was visiting some family for a family reunion one weekend. My dad had gone up earlier to meet with his dad at his dad's house. And so my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, and some of their friends were already at my grandpa's house up there getting ready for the reunion. I drive up and by the time i get there it's out in the out in the woods and by the time i get there the family is basically all there my cousins are already drinking i've got uh the two two uh two male cousins about the same age that are already starting to drink um <laughs> despite there being little kids around and so i get there and i crack a beer and my dad basically tells us hey you don't need to be drinking here in the house with all the kids and stuff. How about you guys go like have a little campsite or something, catch up, see what you guys have been up to. Um, and so we do that. We get we get out there. We uh, at my father's prompting, we leave the house. Um, we promise to be back by dinner time or whatever. And so we're heading out into the forest, and one of my cousins is already drunk. And, um, so we're heading out into the forest and he's kind of stumbling around and we're just carrying a a little cooler with, with beer in it. And we get out to a spot where there's a little clearing and we are cracking beers. We're joking around. We're catching up on how things, uh, how things have been. And, um, my drunk cousin is jittery. (coughs) He is not liking being out there in those woods, um, and uh, you can kind of tell he's wanting to get back home. So my two cousins live up there, and they, lear, they live close to my grandpa. Sorry, some guy's blasting by my house in a motorcycle. Um, they, they live close to my grandpa, so it was, like, not a long distance for them to get there at all. So my other cousin tells us, he's kind of, like, joking around, and he's seeing that my other cousin is kind of freaking out and he says how about we go a little deeper into the woods so he and I get up and we're moving deeper into the woods and my my the drunk cousin is like just freaking out he's he is messed up but we basically persuade him to head on further out there and we're just we just keep heading out we're drinking we're getting him to drink more so he stops freaking out and eventually we get to this section of the forest that we've never been in before and it's up ahead of us we can clearly see that it's it's new to us but the forest itself is not new at all it's very old it's older than the rest of the forest that we've been in where we've been walking there's you know there's there's underbrush but it's not super thick um kind of implies that you know it's the the trees have grown up the underbrush has grown up but the shrubbery, the smaller trees and stuff of the older forest have been there just so much longer that they've filled in the gaps of, of all the old trees. And it's super, super dark in that forest, in that, uh, in that older section of the forest, and we're facing it. And we notice all of a sudden that there is no sounds in the forest. And the hairs start to stand on the backs of our necks because we look around us and the sun is setting down on the horizon so it's been blocked out by all the trees and we can just faintly see the glow of the sun above the treetops so everything is gray and we're peering into the shadows of that deep ancient forest and suddenly cold air is flooding over our skin And we know something is horribly wrong. So we start backing off and we're heading back and we're trying to make light of it. And it's unspoken, this nervousness that we're all feeling, but we can all see that we're very shaken. So we're starting to turn back when we start to hear it, movement of the brush in the ancient forest. And we turn back and we see very definitively the shrubbery is moving. Not like it's getting up and moving, but like something is moving through it. And so we decide to book it. And we're running back through the forest as fast as we can. And we start hearing the noises all around us. All above us in the treetops. Scratching, sound of feet running crashing through the forest on all sides it whatever they are they were all around us we barely make it back through the forest and me and my cousin turn around and we cannot see our drunk cousin he's fallen behind <laughs> what, can, what can we do? we just keep going we run all the way back to the house And I run up to my dad and I tell him exactly what happened. And he turns to my grandpa. And my grandpa and my uncle are coming out of the house already. And they have guns in their hands already. And they have a friend with them. And he's a man that I've never seen before. And so they're coming out and I ask who that guy is. And my grandpa says it's one of his neighbors. So that we're moving out back out through the forest and we get to one of the spots through the, the the area that we had run through and I realize that we had ran over what was an, a broken down fence like a barbed wire fence and we stop right there and my grandpa says that's the edge of his property and we can't go past it and just past the edge of the property That's where the ancient forest is. And we're in the clearing right in front of the ancient forest. Just on my grandfather's side. His side of the land. And out of the woods walks my cousin. And let's just say for the sake of. um, For the sake of, you know, security. I'll just call my cousin Jimmy. He walks up and he's standing on the other side of the fence and he says gosh i i I thought i lost you guys i am so happy i i I found you guys and my grandpa says where'd you go and he says well i I tripped and fell back there and and uh i I must have gotten lost and i i heard you guys saw you guys coming through the woods so I, i came out to meet you and my grandpa said okay So there was a little bit of an awkward silence. And my cousin says, can I come across? And my grandfather says, Jimmy can come across. And my cousin got this look of astonishment on his face and a bit of nervousness. And he said, oh, what do you mean? Like, come on, just just say I can come across. And my grandpa said, we've had these conversations before. Jimmy can come across. You others are not allowed. That's not part of the deal. You know the rules. And just about that time, we were able to see, I noticed how long they had been doing this i don't know but i noticed across the clearing and the shadows of the ancient trees there was something moving down at their bases back and forth it looked like shadows like if if you were to take a shadow of a man have a man stand in front of you and point a flashlight at him that shadow that is cast against the wall it looked like that Except not cast against anything. The shadow was standing there. In the open. Not cast against any physical object. But at times as you watched it. It almost looked like it was. There's interference. Static of some sort. Sometimes whenever you looked at at it. It was like that shadow of the man being cast by a flashlight. But like there's two flashlights casting at once. And therefore two shadows in two separate areas. You'd look at it, there'd be one shadow, and you blink, and then there's two standing where that one just was. And you blink again, and they're whole again. And then as we watched, we noticed the way they moved was crooked. They moved jerkedly, and their bodies weren't right. And where their eyes were, it it almost looked like if you were to hold a dark piece of cardboard paper with two holes cut in it and you're holding it in a dark room, you can slightly see the light on the other side. So it's just like it's gray. It's not even eyes. It's not even, even anything solid there. It's just like the light is passing through the eye holes. And they moved and they moved back and forth. And then they started chattering. Not in anything that we could understand. Yips and chatters. And Jimmy started to be pulled back. Almost like he had ropes on him. He was being dragged back. Just his body. Through the clearing. He couldn't do anything. He was helpless like a rag doll. I was messed up. I was freaking out, and my grandpa, and my dad, my uncle, and their friend, they made us go back to the house, and they told us to go back inside and go to sleep, they put us in a back room, I I couldn't get to sleep, eventually I must have, I must have passed out, but I know that they had been out in the woods all night, because I would look out into my, out of my window, and I would, out of my grandpa's window, excuse me, and see their lights out in the forest. <coughs> I eventually must have passed out because I woke up. I woke up in the next morning and went out to talk to my grandpa. And I said, What happened last night? And he said, We had trouble with the neighbors. Um, that's why the man that you saw last night, our neighbor, he was over here. He's had trouble with them too. But it's all figured out now. And I said, what about Jimmy? What about my cousin? Oh, he was picked up on the road last night. Um, He must have gotten really drunk because uh, he ended up in the road ditch on the opposite side of the property. And uh, he's fine now. He's back at home. He's got scratches all over him. He thinks he ran through the woods. But he's fine now. And uh, I didn't know what to make of it. So that past story that I just told you actually is not true. Um, That was a Reddit story that I read. So that, (laughs) jokes on you, kind of funny. But so that was a Reddit story. I'm going to tell you about a story that actually did happen to me. Um, And there's going to be guys out in the audience who are my friends And who were there when this happened. And so they can verify that this happened. So, buckle up your seatbelts. Grab your AK or your AR and huddle up. Because this one's a real one. So, my buddies and I were out hunting for boar out in the forest. We had gone out in the day there's a this was back when i was younger and there's a hunt lease that i'm still a member of that uh borders my parents land and so we could literally just walk off of my parents land out onto this hunt lease and there's a section out in that hunt lease that is just straight up pine forest there's no oak in it just pine forest (coughs) and so you go out there, and it's very easy to track things because their trails are just, like, right through the pine needles. Um, so if, if anything's dug up, it's very clear. The pine needles are, like, all moved out of the way and stuff like that. So we were looking for ruts, sa- or I'm sorry, uh, like, uh, dig signs for for boar where they've been digging up roots or, or uh, wallowing down in, in any mud or anything like that in the creeks that run through it. And so we'd been looking for that and we see some sign that appears like some, some boar had been through there, digging up roots, digging up acorns, possibly, um, uh, digging up various other herbs or roots or something. And so we decided that later that evening we'd come back. Hopefully they'd be, uh, hopefully they would be back in the forest at nightfall, um, uh, so we go back for dinner at my house we eat and then we head back out we get into my forerunner we drive out onto the Huntleys, lease and we come in through a different way um and so we're we're walking through the forest we all have our lights on and it there's no moon out that night it may have been cloudy i can't remember honestly but it was super dark super pitch black and so we get to the area where we thought approximately there uh, the uh, boar activity would be. So we turn off lights um, and we sit and wait. And we're, we're there for a little while because you know, we want the environment to become more habituated to our presence there. And we want the um, unnecessary disturbance of the light that we came through with to just die back to normalcy. So we're sitting there and we're getting up and moving occasionally, uh, moving a little bit of a ways if we don't hear anything or if we do hear something, we'll move to or from. And so <clears throat> we're in the dark <coughs> and a gust of wind blows through these pine trees and we can feel it on our faces. We can feel that wind coming through the bases of the pines, and we can hear it up in the roof or in the canopy of the pines. And the way we hear it is that their their branches are reaching out and they're scraping along. If 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 you don't if you've never been around pine trees, their bark is like it's almost like crispy. It's uh it it comes off in flakes, and so it makes this scraping sound whenever the bark rubs against each other. So the branches were were sticking out and they, in the wind they were moving around and rubbing against each other's trunks and breaking off pieces of, of that bark so we could hear it scraping up in the canopy and we could feel the little shards of, of pine bark falling down around us and it just it kept going like that the, the sound kept going and then we realized something the wind was gone but we kept hearing scratching on the bark we can no longer feel the wind moving there's no air current but above us high up in the tops of the pines there was scraping and then it started coming down the pine trees and um, I didn't say anything and nobody really said anything at first We just heard it And there's that, maybe it was just me But there's that uneasy feeling in the air And that sound just kept coming farther down The trees And it's not like it was just one tree All of these trees around us The scraping was coming down the trunks Down, down, scrape, scrape Until it was Ten feet above us maybe, all around us, and one of my friends screams, "Ah!" and he meant it as a joke, (laughs) but everybody's really jumpy, and we've all got guns, and we all start pointing our guns around, and he has a little bit of a laugh and then we realized that the scraping sound had stopped above us maybe it had stopped before i don't really know maybe it had come to a rest but we did not hear any more scraping and we started to move our lights up the trunks we got about to eye level and we started to move it up higher was the motorcycle again got it up a little higher and then we decided you know what let's just get out of here so without shining our lights up into the tops of the trees or any higher than where we had gone we start walking out and we joke and we laugh with ourselves we tell each other that was some funny squirrels wasn't it Except we all knew it wasn't squirrels. There was something in those trees coming down around us. Alright guys, I hope you've appreciated this podcast, this episode. Um, I wanted to do it a little bit different tonight. It doesn't always have to be serious. It doesn't always have to be philosophy or theology or something like that. Although I do like to touch on little points like that on occasion, even in these, you know, these uh, more fun episodes. But (coughs) uh, next episode, I plan on getting into something more gear related. So I plan on doing a little cycle where... I'll talk about a ph- philosophical thing, then I'll talk about something having to do with cryptids, monsters, or maybe just environmentalism itself, then I'll move on to gear, um, and then I'll start the cycle all over again, so this next one is going to be gear related, and so I was thinking about um, doing a either a backpacking one, where we talk about rucksacks, and um, use with, uh, civilian settings, uh, for a sort of preparedness mindset, um, how you would use that in some, something along the lines of like a collapse scenario or maybe just a, a domestic, um, anomaly, something like that. Some, something where, uh, rule of law falls apart or perhaps, uh, there's societal unrest, um, So something more along the lines of a combative load and a long sustainment rig, such as like a big rucksack, a, a, uh, you know, a hiking backpack with a frame in which you carry all of your gear where you don't have any fire support except you and your own squad. So I was thinking about doing that and, uh, or maybe I could do something more basic, uh, that we could uh, talk about the nuances of rifle setups. I know guys love to talk about how they love to set up their, you know, their Gucci ARs or something like that. But, uh, there's a lot of nuances with the ways that you set up rifles, um, that, uh, so for example, setting up your CQB rifle, uh, a lot of times it can be depend entirely on your method of insertion into a target area. Um, Now, I'm not military, uh, so I wouldn't know necessarily from going and kicking in doors, but I know this from a textbook standpoint, so um, it's something that we can talk about, have a little conversation about. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to get into this time. Oh, by the the way, I might as well say, um, it's not just textbook. I do carry my rifle a lot. Uh, I do train with my rifle a lot, so it's not just like I, I don't have any experience That sort of thing. I wouldn't even try to talk about something along those lines if I didn't have any rifle rifleman experience. One one of the biggest things that I propose for civilians is that you do get experience like that. You do train with a rifle. It's not just about concealed carry. It's about actively defending communities and having um, systems set up within civilian bodies, not relying on police or military, as we talked about in um, the citizenship episode. But having systems of, of independence and uh, self-reliance set up so that you and like-minded individuals can provide security and protection for your own people um, you gotta be trained gotta be trained to do that so gotta be gotta <clears throat> gotta be trained to the level that you can operate um, in, in in similar manners not not the same manner as military or police, but similar, uh manners as those with uh, the perspective you know the per- perspective uh, switch this the shift over to civilian uh, a civilian mindset so this is uh, not necessarily something that a someone in the military would think of because they have very specific um, uh, scenarios that they implement their training and their their perspectives into that civilians cannot have and so the way that we use gear the way that we train the way that um, we would engage ourselves in a combat scenario is technically completely different than any given active military unit so this is a that that in itself is a lot of philosophy, but it's not the philosophy that I was talking about earlier. It's more of a philosophy of use rather than a, like a moral or a theological philosophy. So um, we can get more into that. Uh, just kind of depending, uh, the a lot of these gear topics can de- can evolve more into a human study, a study of human behavior, a study of human systems, stuff like that. And that's something, a little perspective that I'd like to bring in. Um, but we'll just see. I hope you guys really like this episode. Uh, um, I would say like, comment, share. But you can do do that over in my Instagram channel if you'd like, if you'd like to get involved. Um, so my Instagram page is Marauder.Rises. And uh, if you go, you'll find a lot of similar content, uh, memes, memes. Uh, philosophy, theology, and gear related content. So anyways, guys, have a good night. God bless. I hope you have a great week until next Saturday. Thank you for joining me on the camp of the beyond.